the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway, not 1010. Thanks so much for being with us on AM 1420. The answer, thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan as well. We'll get to your phone calls here in just a second at 216-901-0945. It's Monday, the 13th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. On April 12th, which was yesterday, Dr. Anthony Fauci of the White House Coronavirus Response Task Force uh, said on live television in response to a question by Jake Tapper, that lives could have been saved. Lives could have been saved if President Trump had followed recommendations, this is in Tapper's wording, by the way, uh, and started mitigation and social distancing earlier, in the middle of February as opposed to in the middle of March. This was his reply. You know, Jake, again, it's the what would have, what could have. It's very difficult to go back and say that. I mean, obviously, you could logically say that if you had a process that was ongoing and you started mitigation earlier, you could have saved lives. Obviously, no one is going to deny that. And that is what the left heard and said Donald Trump cost people their lives because he didn't follow the recommendations in, uh, in the middle of February. When it should have been done, as Jake Tapper put up, put up, pointed out. Here's the problem. Dr. Fauci, back on February 29th, said something very, very different. Back on February 29th, Dr. Anthony Fauci was asked on the Today Show about that very question, about whether or not we need to change the way we live because of this coming coronavirus. This is what the guy who yesterday 
criticized the president, or at least agreed with Tapper's criticism of the president for not following the guidelines earlier. This was Jake Tapper on NBC's Today Show on February 29th. So, Dr. Fauci, it's Saturday morning in America. People are waking up right now with real concerns about this. They want to go to malls and movies, maybe the gym as well. Should we be changing our habits, and if so, how? No, right now, at this moment, there is no need to change anything that you're doing on a day-by-day basis. Right now, the risk is still low, but this could change. I've said that many times, even on this program. You've got to watch out, because although the risk is low now, you don't need to change anything you're doing. When you start to see community spread, this could change and force you to become much more attentive to doing things that would protect you from spread. But as of now, at this moment, there is no reason to change your habits because of coronavirus. This was on February 29th. The esteemed infectious disease specialist, Dr. Anthony Fauci, no need to change anything. Fast forward to April 12th, yesterday on CNN, and, well, yeah, we uh, should have done it. We could have saved lives had we uh, established these policies earlier. Well, where were you then? All of this is part of the um, growing movement to have Dr. Fauci replaced on the coronavirus uh, White House response or coronavirus uh, response task force. Dr. Anthony Fauci has outlived his usefulness on this particular issue. Uh, Article I referenced when I talked to Jim Jordan last hour, last half hour. From Representatives Andy Biggs and Ken Buck, Andy Biggs from Arizona, Ken Buck uh, from Colorado, wrote this piece for the Washington Examiner yesterday, asking the question, is Anthony Fauci helping or hurting? Two weeks ago, at least 3.3 million people filed for unemployment benefits. Last week, 6.8 million more joined the ranks of the unemployed. On Thursday, another 6.6 million added to the roles of the unemployed for Fauci. Is it merely a societal or economic inconvenience that about 17 million workers were unemployed because of the government's response to the pandemic, with many more to come in the weeks and months ahead? The economic calamity largely ties with the, or, or, uh, origina- the or, origination excuse me, of uh, policies resulting from Fauci's recommendations. Fauci has admitted the models he relies upon are unreliable, The models and their panic-inducing projections have seemingly been revised down every couple of days. Fauci insists this is because of his policy prescriptions, but time and data from the United States and other nations will reveal whether or not that's true. We have heard Fauci say that the economic cost and societal impacts of his policies were not considered when he devised his epidemic response plan. But the question is, is whether the medicine he prescribed will prove to be more harmful than the disease in the long term. Many businesses have been shuttered forever. It will almost be impossible for countless uh, countless other small businesses to reopen once the government gives the all clear for the economy to restart. It is tragic that thousands of people in this country have died or may yet succumb to the novel coronavirus. But we must also remember, right, Congressman Biggs and Buck, that millions of people have had their lives and livelihoods permanently altered because of the government's response to this virus. While our government may make promises and help make things better once the hysteria subsides, there is nothing our leaders will be able to do do, to do to make everything completely right again. Bottom line is, President Trump is right when he retweeted, hashtag fire Fauci. Mr. President, you're the only one who, who can do that. You're the only one who can let Dr. Fauci know that, you know what, whether your intentions were noble or less than, it doesn't matter. At this point in time, the American people don't trust you, and neither do I. 
And guess what? We didn't elect Dr. Anthony Fauci. We elected Donald Trump. We didn't elect Dr. Amy Acton. We elected Governor Mike DeWine. It's time for our elected officials to start doing what we elected them to do. And listening to doctors who have no earthly idea what the economic consequences of their decisions are is not, in my opinion, the right thing at this point in time. At least not wholly. I think they need to be considered, but along with uh, the considerations of other people whose health is in serious jeopardy because of these policies. And we're not talking about corona patients. We are talking about people who are uh, in very serious jeopardy of starvation, people who are in serious jeopardy of depression and the desperate acts that come with that, alcoholism, over uh, uh, overdosing, uh, rise in drug use, rise in domestic violence as people are unemployed, stressed about money, locked in their homes, and unable to get away from any of it all. All of these things are legitimate and real health concerns for Americans that are not being considered right now by Drs. Fauci, Burks, Acton, or others. Okay, Tony in South Euclid. You're on the air, Tony. Go right ahead, sir. Yes, thanks for taking my call. Listen, there's a very simple solution. Okay, this doc, Dr. Fauci or whatever his name is, you know, where was he before all this happened? If we know the remedy is washing hands, keeping a safe distance, watching that restaurants and bars are practicing uh, uh, sanitary practices, the health department, the CDC... Mr. Fauci should have all been advocating this prior to this. If they're experts, in, if he, Mr. Fauci is an expert in pandemics, pandemics, then he should have been prepared for this. If there was going to be a pandemic, the hospital should have had preparation. He should have been going to the hospitals. He should have been talking to politicians prior uh, to uh, Mr. Trump. Tony, there are those things. Tony, Tony, those things are in place. Tony, those things are in place. Let's 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 try to keep let's try to keep on point here. All right, he's he's not the guy that is supposed to go around to hospitals and prepare them. CDC works with hospitals. CDC uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention works with hospitals and healthcare, and they're the ones. And there is a pandemic team also that was not dismantled by Donald Trump in twenty eighteen as alleged by the left. Uh, there is a pandemic team, so that's not you can. Blame Blame Fauci for a lot of things, but this isn't one of them because that's not his job. His job is in response to pandemics and what is the best course of action. That's what he's advised people to do for years, or uh, rather presidents to do for years. It's just that in this particular case, he has been all over the map. He's been up, he's been down. He has considered some things, not other things. And I think even in this regard, which is his responsibility, he has outlived uh, his usefulness uh, in terms of 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 this task force. To slow this whole process down, we're going to know now here and forward, we're going to have to wash hands. We're going to have to be using sanitary uh, uh, solutions. We know that we're going to have to be extra careful. This stuff should have been done long ago because if the flu was killing 10,000 people back in 2010 or 2014 with with uh, 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 with the swine flu, that's the remedy. Why not? Hasn't this been pushed forward? It has, Tony. Tony, it has. Tony, Tony, you don't know it has. Tony, they've been screaming at us for years to wash our hands more because of the flu. Before anybody ever heard the word COVID-19 or coronavirus, and thanks for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. I'm going to get other people on. Thanks for the call. They've been screaming to to wash your hands. They haven't made you wear masks, but they've been talking about washing hands uh, and and, and, uh, uh, taking safety precautions, hygienic precautions, just to avoid the flu because the flu is very deadly for whom? 
whom? Primarily the elderly and the very young. The very young and the very old are the ones who succumb to uh, to flu in every year. That's why they encourage the flu shots and all the hand washing. So they, they, these aren't new policies and prescriptions. It's just that the you know now now they're being used for another or for a different. Um, uh, condition, which of course is the coronavirus. Thank you for the call, to, uh, Navy Man Norm. Next, Strongsville. Go right ahead, sir. Uh, why are you picking on this devotee and fan of Hillary Clinton, Doctor Fauci? He's a major donor to Hillary Clinton. He wrote her several glowing letters, and he's a big fan. So you know what, Bob? I don't understand why some of these people are, are picked to participate in the president's uh, inner circle, if you will. I mean, if you know the guy's pedigree ahead of time, uh, do you think he's? Do you think a leopard's going to change his spots? Yeah, the guy uh, Fauci. Norm, Norm I, 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 I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't go there personally. Okay, uh-huh. because again, this is the guy that advised Reagan. And the guy who advised Clinton, and the guy who advised Bush, and the guy who advised Obama. He, in other words, he has been in this position for a long time. I don't think he is just a flat-out partisan. He's a Hillary lover and a Trump hater. I just think he's eighty-one or eighty-two years old, and I and I don't want to say he's senile, but I think he is just so back and forth. Because one day he's uh, Trump is accused of not taking this seriously enough, and. Fauci comes to his defense and says, I can tell you from the very beginning, President Trump took this very seriously. So, you know, if he's such a devotee of Hillary Clinton, why would he spend any time at all defending Trump? But he goes back and forth on it. He's just not reliable. I'm not going to go there with the he's a partisan Clinton supporter who's trying to destroy Trump. I don't think that's the case, Norm. I really don't. I just think he doesn't know what the heck is going on here, and he's passing off policy prescriptions as if he does. Well, I don't know if you saw uh, Bill Bennett on Fox this morning. I did not. But he is, he is a, uh, shall we say, an advocate of opening up the country. And here's what he had to say. We've curled up in a ball like cowards and gone, you know, basically uh, retreated into our homes. Two-tenths, Bob, two-tenths of one percent of the population uh, were prone to catch the virus. Right. Coronavirus. Two tenths of one percent. Of that total, ninety-eight percent recovered with no problem. And he said the number of deaths are going to be fewer than the number of deaths from uh, flu virus for last year. Right. The flu from last year. So we've shut down this country. It's probably going to take us a couple of years to rebuild. All in the name of this. I hope not. You know, I hope I hope Shall the president's we, right. The president thinks we can turn it around re, as soon as we reopen it very, very fast. And I'm sure he will provide whatever stimulus he can find, whether it's new tax breaks or more uh, deregulation or whatever it is that he's got to do. I think uh, the president, you know, we can't wait two years to recover from this. We've got to end this thing sooner rather than later. And hopefully... Well, I'll tell you uh, what. Yeah. The, the, sooner well, Mike DeWine gets, the sooner Mike DeWine gets rid of his lap coat, the better. Because that woman is off the rails. Well, there it is. You know, that's another example, right? And thank you very much, Norm, for the call. That's another example. We didn't elect her, yet she's calling the shots. That's a problem. I'm going to mention that to Mike DeWine on Wednesday when I talk to him. We didn't elect Dr. Fauci, yet he's calling the shots. And President Trump needs to recognize that, too, and I think he is, finally, which is why he is, at least uh, on Twitter, 
toying with the idea of replacing Fauci. Thank you, my uh, friend, for the phone call. Back after this. Ten twenty-eight. Time for maybe one or two more calls here before the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Diane in West Park on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hi, Diane. Hi, Bob. Uh, happy um, Easter Monday to you. Thank you. My my radio is smoking from your show this morning. Wow. <laughs> You're well, hot. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if I can afford to buy you a new one. So. Uh. <laughs> well, uh, listen. That's all I. Um, that is my sole source of news and information and commentary and opinion right now because I have no TV. I haven't had one for years and years. Have wow. no access to computer right now and have none, no technology of my own. I'm calling you from a little old clamshell phone. So radio wow. has got to remain. Well, it will. And we'll do our very best to give you everything you need. Thank you, Diane. Okay. Uh, what did you want to say about uh, what did you want to say about uh, uh, Mike DeWine? Well, I heard that he was on Good Morning Joe this morning, and uh, they were talking about reopening the economy and that uh, Governor DeWine was emphasizing the crucial need, and this is not any kind of quotes because I didn't see it, uh, but that testing was so Im- important and that the uh, that the availability of vaccines were, were so important. But we can't wait that long. And... Um, <laughs> I just, I'm very concerned that Governor DeWine, with all the, um, oh boy, all the uh, TV time, uh, all the press time, all the time he's been afforded, uh, and his governmental powers have just become large um, under uh, President's, you know, approval that governors take matters into their own state's hands. I'm really afraid that he's going to be slow to the starting post uh, when well, Trump uh, announces that America start their engines. Yeah, I'm because that's, very the, that's a very important thing that you're saying right now, Dan. And thank you for the phone call, and I appreciate you being with us, and thanks for being a loyal listener, too. Um, that's a very important thing you just said, because President Trump said a couple of times over the weekend, that he's about to, ha- to make the biggest decision of his life. This will be the hardest decision he has to make, and that is to reopen the government and reopen the not the government, the uh, uh, the economy and the businesses. But the reality of it is, is he can't. He may recommend that, but it is up to Mike DeWine. It's up to Gavin Newsom. It's up. It's up to you know uh, uh, Northam in Virginia. They they all run their own states. And the president cannot tell them what to do as far as closing businesses or opening businesses. Now, he can issue that strong uh, guidance and that strong suggestion, uh, and maybe it'll hurt the governors if they ignore that when it comes to a time for re-election campaigns, etc. But the bottom line is this is going to be up to Mike DeWine. This is going to be up to each individual governor. And I hope and pray that he is just as quick to lift the uh, uh, the blockade, if you will, as he was to put it in place. But sadly, I kind of fear what you fear. I fear that he is going to uh, be the one that, that holds on the longest. He really liked getting the national attention, in my opinion, for being the first guy to uh, start closing up businesses. And um, and I think he's going to want to try to keep that mantle a little, little bit. So I'll talk to him directly about that on Wednesday's program. He'll join me at 10.10 a.m. on Wednesday. Governor Mike DeWine and I will talk all of this out. For now, it's news time on AM 1420, The Answer.
1037, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Good Monday to you. Earlier on in the program, we talked to Congressman Jim Jordan about turning things back around and opening the doors rather than closing more of them to businesses in the state of Ohio and around the country. When is it time to do that? What the president said. We should listen to the health professionals, but we also can't have the cure be worse than the problem. We can't have the cure be worse than the disease, which is the president said that three weeks ago, and he is exactly right. And you're now starting to see, and I think this is appropriate, you're seeing governors say, wait a minute, the governor of Texas is saying, we're, we're going to start opening up our economy. A friend of mine who's a state senator do a letter to Governor DeWine on Friday saying, hey, West Central Ohio is different than New York City. It's different than downtown Columbus. Why, why don't we begin to let businesses go back into operation here in West Central Ohio? So I think that is entirely appropriate. That's common sense. And I think that's where the president is. And I, the president has been clear. He wants to start opening this thing back up as quickly as possible. And I'm hopeful, frankly. Well, we, we should step back and say it this way. There are some states that never shut down. Some states out west with it were much more uh, sparsely populated uh, areas. They've never shut down. So I, I think that's how we got to look at this. we got to get this economy up and moving as quickly as we possibly can. The president has indeed uh, uh, announced that he is going to convene a second task force. There is the Coronavirus Response Task Force headed up by Mike Pence. He is going to have a uh, kind of a, a mashup of politicians and economists and um, uh, business leaders as well put together uh, a corona or excuse me a an open up the country task force and I'm paraphrasing the name of it it was something to that effect he announced on Thursday so hopefully that'll be sooner rather than later all right I want to pivot now from the national side of things and talk about the Ohio side of things as you know each and every uh, day at around 2 p.m. Governor Mike DeWine and Dr. Labcoat get together and they give the latest uh, update on what's going on in the state of Ohio as it pertains to coronavirus they give you the numbers how many cases how many deaths Etc. Etc. And then obviously talk about what's going to happen in the future. When are we going to reopen the government, or not the government, rather the businesses, reopen the economy in the state of Ohio? Well, they gave it on Thursday, and it struck um, my friend Rob Walgate uh, a little bit sideways. Uh, he immediately <laughs> contacted me and said, "Bob, I'm fired up. Can we talk about what we just heard from not only only the governor and Dr. Labcoat, but the lieutenant governor John Husted as well?" And I said, Rob, open invitation, and Rob Walgate from the Ohio Roundtable and the Public Square Broadcast Network is with us this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. Mr. Walgate, I hope you had a blessed Easter Sunday, sir. How are you? I did, Bob, and I hope you and your family did as well. You know, in this in this season that we're in, it's always great to take time to reflect and give thanks for an empty tomb. So I hope that all of your listeners were able to do that over the weekend as well. I love the way you phrase that. That's very well done. Rob, I want to play for people what you told me upset you so much or concerned you so much, maybe is a better way to say that, from the um, Ohio press briefing from the governor and the uh, the uh, lieutenant governor and uh, Dr. Labcoat on Thursday. This is uh, part of the response of Gov- uh, Lieutenant Governor John Husted about when we can open up businesses and when we can get people back out into the public realm again. Listen to what the uh, lieutenant governor said. Uh, To talk about how we're going to align testing, so who's getting tested, uh, and uh, what those test results are, either that you have COVID or that you've recovered from it, and then how we can help those people by, by tracking them, taking that data, and then, and then allowing them perhaps to move to the front of the line as far as getting back out into society if you already have the antibodies built up or identifying and letting them know that if you don't have it, at the point a vaccine has developed, you would be one of the people who would be first in line to receive it. So there's a lot of benefits towards 
aligning your testing with your data sets and your tracking of that and then and then delivering services or re allowing people to re-enter into the economy a little bit uh, sooner and safer. So- All right, Rob Walgate, I know that was what you were referring to, and I'm just going to get out of the way and let you go. Well, I just want to make sure everyone heard what I heard was the fact that we're going to be tracked based upon whether or not we have the antibodies, we've received the vaccine, or we've tested positive in any way, shape, or form for having COVID-19 in the past. Did I hear that correctly? And the government is going to... and the government's going to have the system that tracks each and every one of us and, in essence, is give us, going to give us the authorization or the permission to go back into society because we've been given our immunity passport. I mean, that's, in essence, what I heard. That is a very scary and dangerous line to cross. And here's the thing. All around the country, we've, we've talked and heard horror stories about things going on and happening, and many people assign blame to folks, elected officials, based upon letters next to their name. I'm getting texts from and calls from friends all over the country that are saying, is the leadership in Ohio really doing what we're reading about? Are they really doing that? Because they think, oh, they have an R next to their name. They should believe in limited government. They should believe in preserving the constitutional liberties of all of us. And then they see what's happening, and they're scratching their head, and they're saying, I can't believe there's not more people in Ohio revolting. Bob, I'll tell you what, if Democrats were in charge of this state and they had said what was being said at these press conferences, these same Republicans would be flipping over tables and screaming about having their rights infringed upon. The problem is it's the Republicans doing it, and unfortunately they're doing it with an attitude of we're smarter than the rest of you, we know more than the rest of you, just calm down and let us be. And all they've done during this process is pick the winners and the losers from a business perspective, from a liberty perspective. And that's why all this week you're going to see people in Columbus at 2 o'clock when Governor DeWine speaks. I think you're going to see some protests that are pretty large over the next few days. Yeah, and I think they're only going to grow if this continues uh, in this manner, uh, first of all, with respect to the shutdown. But second of all, as you just pointed out, we're talking about civil liberties. We're talking about personal rights being violated. Essentially, we're talking about, you know, Fourth Amendment violations, right? Uh, you know, if, 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 because it is it is kind of an unreasonable search and seizure, if you will, to to track somebody based on their coronavirus antibodies and then where they can go and where they're allowed to visit, uh, what they're allowed to do. And they're allowed to go back to work or not based on uh, on on such an unbelievable thing um the language I right. heard was, if democrats did this if democrats and liberals tried to do this we would we would be screaming from the rooftops and i'm wondering what the residents of ohio who are republican voters are going to say about this well there's a reason that democrats in ohio aren't saying anything because they enjoy the thought the left enjoys the thought of having big government watch over every step that we take of being in control of our lives, of having a say in it. That's why at the American Policy Roundtable, we identify as a nonpartisan organization. We find a way, I guess, to make both sides of the aisle upset and angry. But I'll tell you what, Bob, what's interested me about this, and I know you've hit on it on the show, is the fact that so many on the left through the years have called Donald Trump a dictator and a fascist, correct? They've used those terms and they've called him that. Authoritarian is another one. Yeah, and and now they're mad and upset with him that he hasn't been a dictator and a fascist for the past three months. 
Their complaints are that he hasn't been dictator enough and demanded that people do certain things. I just find that comical that their accusations aren't didn't come to fruition, so now they're mad about that. And that is in no way to defend Donald Trump or, or say anything like that. I just want people to realize the hypocrisy of the moment and what's happening on both sides of the aisle. So it, well, I, I'm anxious to hear what Governor DeWine has to say, and I know he's getting pressure from the General Assembly on opening the state back up. Well, back to the Trump part. Um, fear not. Uh, they'll start calling him a dictator again in short order as soon as he forms this economic task force and then does recommend all governors to open up businesses again. They're going to say, you can't do that. That's up to the governor's state's rights. Why are you trying to tell the states what to do? So you know, they'll flip right back to the other side in a moment. Um, to Mike DeWine, who I'm going to speak with on Wednesday's program at 1010, provided he keeps the appointment, because I'm sure he and his people have been listening and know that I'm critical of some of the decisions he has made and the fact that he's listening to Dr. Acton uh, as well. But but yeah, um, my wife and I have been discussing this, and she said, you know, he's a shooting for re-election. Do you know how popular he and Dr. Acton are right now? They've got op-eds being written about them in Cleveland.com calling them rock stars. You know, they got prosecuting attorneys down in Cincinnati, Hamilton County, one of the two biggest counties, or three biggest counties in the state, uh, uh, backing them up and threatening to jail people and, and, and worse uh, for violating Governor DeWine and Dr. Acton's reasonable orders, etc., and my thing is, uh, Rob, that I've said to her, this is a moment in time. This is a moment in time where people are still scared silly by the media, and so anything that somebody says is going to help make them safer, they're going to be all for. But wait until another six, seven million Americans are put out of work, and I don't even know how many Ohioans are included in that, uh, in the month of May, or in the month of April, rather, and then in the month of May. If this continues another month or two months, all of that popularity is going out the window, because people are going to say, enough is enough, let us get back to work. And I wonder if Mike DeWine recognizes that and will alter his course a little bit sooner than he perhaps would have otherwise. I think some of the decisions that he's made will be a litmus test for politicians in the future, especially those that want to run or stand on a conservative platform and say they are for limited government. Would they have made the same decisions and done the same things that Governor DeWine and Dr. Acton have done? And remember, in state law, 3701.13 of Ohio Revised Code gives the director of the Department of Health ultimate authority in times of isolation and quarantine. And she has taken full advantage of that. The problem is is she's isolating and quarantining healthy people as well. She's right. picking the winners and the losers in business. I mean, we've seen businesses, let's let's use one for example, Hobby Lobby. We've seen Hobby Lobby have to shut down operations, then they open, then they shut down again. They're not permitted to be open in the state of Ohio, yet Dr. Acton and Mike DeWine are telling everyone to make homemade masks. Well, what does Hobby Lobby sell? I mean, now all of a sudden they're not allowed to sell the fabric to make homemade masks, but the stores down the street can. The people that work at Hobby Lobby can't get a paycheck, but others can. They're telling people that they're non-essential. And let's take a look at hospitals around the state of Ohio. We were told originally that we needed to flatten the curve because we didn't want hospitals to be overwhelmed. I can tell you stories of communities all across the state where nurses are being laid off, where hospital floors sit empty because elective procedures aren't being administered, aren't happening. And when, when we say elective, let's remember, too, these elective procedures are things that save people's lives. We can talk about pre-cancer screenings. We can talk about colonoscopies. We can talk about all these things that aren't taking place because we were preparing for a surge that never happened because they were putting flawed data 
to set up models anyway. I mean, anyone could go to our website, Bob. You can at AP Round. How do you respond to them though when they say no? The reason there wasn't a surge on the hospitals is because we did what we did. We flattened the curve by by social distancing and shutting down businesses. I say their math has never added up. At the beginning of March, Dr. Acton said 100,000 people in the state of Ohio were infected, and that was a guesstimate. Right now, we have over 6,000 people infected, maybe close to 7,000, and we're testing at a 10% rate. That means 10% of the people that are tested are coming back positive. The CDC just changed the guidelines now to say that if you have a headache and a fever, you can be checked off as positive, or if you're coughing, you can be checked off as probable. That's how they're trying to bump the numbers. So it it doesn't add up. We issued a Freedom of Information Act request asking for those numbers, asking what numbers they're putting into the model. And we got a letter back saying that the General Assembly in HB 197 that they recently passed allows for state agencies to delay giving any information until December 1st, 2020, or 90 days after the emergency is over. So we can't even get the data and the info to find it out. And if they want to make the argument, Bob, that they've flattened the curve and lowered the numbers, we can all admit then the hospital's not getting the rush. Then there's no reason not to open Ohio back up. The problem is they can't have it both ways. They can't say, we wanted to do what we did so there wouldn't be a surge on the hospitals. Well, now that the surge didn't happen, well, let's open back up and go to work. I mean, the problem is they want to keep a shutdown indefinitely, and there's no end plan. What was mentioned last week, they're coming up with an elaborate plan to open up back the economy. My question for all your listeners are, when is the last time the government's been in charge of something that they've called elaborate that has improved or worked? Do we trust them in this process? And to me, Rob, as we wrap this up, because it's 1051 here, I would say this. When is the last time the government took something away from the people and then gave it back? That's my biggest concern. They take away rights. They take away liberties. And and, and just in general, just generally speaking, from the federal government on down, when they take something from the people, they don't give it back. And that's why we have to be very, very careful about what we allow them to take. Rob Olgate from the Ohio Roundtable, the AP Roundtable, and the uh, Public Square Broadcast Network. Rob, always a pleasure. Great analysis on Houston. I will be asking the governor about that on Wednesday's interview. Thanks so much, my friend. I look forward to it. Thanks to you, Bob. Talk soon. You, you got it, buddy. It's uh, 1052. Now let's catch up. And uh, final segment coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Final segment on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for being with us. Thanks again to Rob Walgate. Really telling stuff. And if you did not hear that line from John Husted on um, Thursday's press briefing, their daily press briefing, uh, I'm glad to have shared that with you. I think that is very concerning, talking about tracking people and allowing them out of their houses based on whether or not they have antibodies. Uh, talk about an invasion of privacy. Uh, it's really a, a startling thing. And we'll talk to that, uh, to uh, Governor Dwine about that coming up on Wednesday's program. All right, I got time for probably two calls here. TJ in Cleveland. Go ahead, TJ. Yeah, you know, Bob, just talking to the people in my little corner of the world, most of the people that are for this forever shutdown have a couple things in common. One, they're Democrat. Two, they have a job now, and they will have a job when this is over. And, you know, from what Norm said, You know, we all know there's judges that are politicians in robes, but I think there's also doctors that are politicians in lab coats. And one other quick thing, Bob, this election thing, I've seen cheating when my mom was in the rest home years ago. People with dementia and the helpers were helping them fill their, you know, their their ballot out. All the time. 
Yes, my solution to this is if they're so worried on the left about dangerous voting, call a national state of emergency, suspend elections until the corona thing is over. See how they like that solution. <laughs> I like that a lot, actually. Give President Trump another year or two. He can uh, do good it. Stuff. He's got the power to do it. Thank you, TJ. Appreciate the call. Let me get to uh, Berea. John, on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, John. Go ahead. Okay, quickly, um, what you have to look at is that you have to protect life, try to have as few people die as possible, but you also have to protect livelihoods. They kind of go together because livelihoods are part of life. Livelihoods are life, too. People lose their jobs. That's almost like dying, in a way. So I think a way to frame this, I wish the president would use, is, okay, we're dealing with life. And we're also dealing with livelihoods. The last thing for you real quickly is a question you can ask uh, Governor DeWine, and that is about opening up uh, places like restaurants with the uh, proviso that they leave enough space for people, you know, uh, uh, for social distancing, not have them totally closed like they are now. Uh, Start opening them up and, and based on their space, uh, set things up to what, how many people that they can have in at, at one time because it's really killing these things. I know one restaurant, they had like seven or eight people working there. Now they're down to two. Well, I'll tell you what, great call, John. Thanks so much for the phone call. You're, you're spot on on both points. Uh, livelihoods are indeed lives. That's, that's just very simple and direct. I mean, if people cannot, cannot provide for themselves, provide health care for themselves, et cetera, et cetera, afford their medicines, their rent, uh, their mortgages, their heat, et cetera, yes, uh, their lives, people's lives are in danger when their livelihoods are taken away from them. So you're spot on about that. As to the second part, they won't even allow churches to operate with six-foot space in between them. You can go today for lunch to a Chipotle line and they've got little X's on the floor most of them do that show don't go any closer to the person in front of you than this you know stay on the X and and p- people six feet apart it's okay to go into the Chipotle line but you can't go into your 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 church on Easter Sunday and sit six feet apart from somebody in a pew or else they're going to call the cops on you And that's the insanity of all of this. So you think they're going to allow people to sit in tables that are six feet apart at a restaurant? They won't even allow churches, for crying out loud. No, something's got to give here. It's time, first of all, on the national level for Fauci to go. And on the state level, Governor DeWine, stop letting Amy act and make all your decisions for you. You're better than that. And I'll talk to you about that on Wednesday. For everyone else, have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.